to The Rural Mum. Today we're talking safety on the farm and you will be answering some of my safety questions as well as the community's safety questions here on farm. So can we please start by you introducing yourself, who you are, your background and where you come from in safety. Wicked. So g'day. Thank you very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. So my name's Alex Thomas. I am based in Nairn in South Australia in the luscious Adelaide Hills, surrounded by the best produce of all time. Um, I'm originally from a sheep station up in the northeast pastoral in a notoriously dry part of the world. And my journey in safety started way back in mining in like the early 2000s. And the long and short of it was that I learned all the wrong things to do before I started to gradually unpick all my own kind of biases inside this profession and then start to work closely with agriculture and fishing. And um, I've got a very personal story around that, which people may or may not be familiar with, but we can go into if we need to. And I guess the only thing, other thing I would add is that today, um, where that leaves me is two things, actually. I'm the founder of Plant to Seed for Safety, which is a rural social change initiative that seeks to just keep health and safety front of mind and bring people home at the end of the day. And the other hat is as a self-employed consultant and facilitator and speaker and things, which really is kind of the revenue raising side of, um, of my work and is more specifically geared towards working with um, big groups of farmers, but also medium to large sized businesses in agriculture and construction and, and beyond. So safety is in the blood. I'm an eternal empath and I absolutely love what I do. Um, great background, lots of different touch points for safety and lots of different perspectives. Um, so I guess that gives a very round, rounded approach uh, to what you do and, and how you do it. Um, so for those who aren't aware of the personal story behind it all, do you mind sharing a little bit about that with us today? Yeah, totally. So I um, had the, the childhood that only, you know, that people dream of really. Um, you know, school of the year kid until I was about 12 and then my horrible parents sent me to boarding school. Um, but like many people on the land during that era, you know, and particularly in the part of South Australia that we were, uh, mum and dad were confronted by a series of pretty horrendous droughts. So the 80 drought of 82, shortly after dad um, started out at Palmaroo Station, which is where I grew up. Uh, and then we had the, the millennial drought um, and through the course of that period, Dad diversified the business to go and muster and sell feral goats as a way of making ends meet and providing for his family and got this nasty bug called Q fever. And then uh, coupled with just, you know, that tough as nails, stoic, old bushy mentality, he just continued to work ridiculously hard and um, with a compromised immune system got, you know, Ross River virus, which lots of people have had. Uh, diabetes and then which then led on to heart failure, kidney failure and multiple amputations and was uh, permanently disabled by the time he was 56, which is um, pretty miserable, but he's still around today and he's he's doing well. He's, he's on dialysis. He's got a lot of support. Um, but the long and short of it is that I've been sort of looking after him in different capacities since I was around 15 years old. Um, and, you know, when mum and dad split up and we had to sell the station, I think that really that hit him really, really hard. So there's lots and lots of different elements in there. I think we, we like to draw a line between physical safety and mental health and, you know, mental safety and, I don't know, like all, all the different ring fencing things out there. Um, but I think, 
you know, I think it's important to take a really holistic view on these things and not necessarily try and delineate between what's work, health and safety and, and what's home because we know in a farming environment that that's virtually impossible anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess as we sort of delve more into wellness, you know, we're learning a little bit more that it is actually all all connected as well. Good to hear that his uh, old bushy instincts and, and personality is, is holding him here today still and he's happy and he's got all that support. Yeah, dead right. So, Alex, I guess um, for a lot of the rural mum community, we're moving to the farm for the first time or we've we've gone away to boarding school, we've gone away to uni and now we're coming back on farm and we need to have, we're noticing that there's a discrepancy between safety on the farm and that complacency of what is safe. So big question to start off, but where do we start implementing safety on farm and how do we go about that in a business that may not be as receptive to safety as we would like it to be? Yeah, absolutely. It's a massive question. (laughs) I think, no, it comes down to a couple of things for me based on what you've said. So I think when we think of safety and particularly when we've had the opportunity to work in different workplaces or potentially in bigger organisations or other industries where safety is maybe more of a focus, Typically, what we tend to think of is, you know, policies and procedures and the need to kind of process, like put processes and systems and stuff in place. And, you know, inevitably what that means is a whole heap of paperwork. Um, And I think because that message is so strong and it's shrouded in an element of fear and, you know, like the the regulator obviously pushes that that message very hard and so does the safety profession. Um, And... There is this inherent fear amongst people in agriculture that if you don't have the, piece, the, the box to tick or the piece of paper, then you're going to get, up, get in trouble and you're going to end up in jail or whatever the case may be. And unfortunately, I think when we define safety on the basis of paperwork and compliance, we send ourselves down this rabbit warren of total overwhelm and you know the conversation becomes about that stuff rather than the things that we could be talking about and doing that will actually genuinely stop someone from getting hurt. The other issue with this um, is, you know, when you hear the word complacency thrown around a lot and completely respect, you know, everyone and anyone that is, is passionate about safety and, and that uses it. But I think you someone came along to me and said, oh, Alex, like complacency is creeping in or you're being complacent. That's a very parent child. I'm telling you off and assuming I know better than you kind of approach to take to a conversation where really what we're looking for is we're trying to inspire someone to think differently or do something differently. And everybody knows that nobody likes being told what to do and nobody likes being nagged. Um, so I think when it comes to facilitating change or you know having conversations that stick about this stuff, I think we've got to ditch, we've got to work really hard to try and ditch the narrative that A, safety is about paperwork, because that is not going to stop someone from stepping in front of a machine or, you know, like taking a guard off when it shouldn't be off or whatever the case may be. And the second thing is going, well, maybe maybe complacency is not the right lens. Maybe it's about going, well, you know, people do things a certain way for a certain number of years because it makes sense to them, because it's easy, because they've done it, you know, and it's and it, it, to them it's the most efficient and safest way of doing things. And the reality is, is that changing habits is really hard. Um, so I think... There's this level of divisiveness between the safety profession and everybody else in industry because 
the safety profession kind of assumes that they know better, um, when in reality we should probably be having a more inclusive conversation about, you know, how to get a better outcome. One of the key points I get from that is changing the terminology we're using when we're addressing um, whether it's our, you know, parents-in-law, whether it's our parents um, or whether it's our partner. So first changing the language. So what are some of the terms that you would recommend that are softer that come with respect in those conversations? Yeah, I think it's such a great takeaway. Thanks for you've already summarised the key point. Um, but I think the you know one of the unique challenges, particularly for women coming onto properties that have been owned by generations before them, um, is that you can't just bowl in and say we should do this this way. And what about the kids or whatever? Like it's all very well intended, but it doesn't tend to land that well, um, particularly amongst you know, mothers-in-law maybe or maybe it's a father-in-law. Um, so the language is really, really important. So I don't, as a general rule, use words like hazard, near miss, incident report, investigation, policy, procedure. Like that stuff just makes my skin crawl. Um, I would be more inclined to make sure I've built a relationship first and foremostly that's built on trust and curiosity to understand what does work look like here? Like, how do things go? Tell, let me get into the nitty gritty of this and let me understand where you're truly coming from. And then, when the timing is right, not necessarily coming in with an idea of doing something, but just asking really good questions mm. will eventually lead to that outcome, potentially, anyway, or at least get people thinking. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess with that instinct of curiosity and learning, how is that best gone about if you are, say, not working on farm, if you're working off farm? How do you go about building that relationship and that interest um, without being like, okay, I'm going to go on the farm today and I'm going to learn about this and then we're going to talk about how we're not going to do it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's a really interesting, challenging topic. But I think what this kind of drills back to in its rawest form is that we have a lot of work to do in agriculture around recognizing and acknowledging diversity of thought and diversity and inclusion and so if we're getting barriers up because we're not working in the paddock and we don't know what somebody else knows which obviously happens all the time um, then there's a bigger question around well why aren't we valuing difference in perspective and asking for the unusual voice in the room to contribute to this conversation because that's where the value lies. But um, that doesn't help anyone right now. So I guess if you're not in the paddock, um, I think firstly it's about finding the confidence to either go out and start building that relationship and spend some time in the paddock if you, if you, if you can get away from the house to do it. Um, but, I mean, there's no reason why you can't infuse your curiosity into conversations around the kitchen table or in the workshop or or wherever the case might be. Um, it's, and timing is really, really important. So I mean, important. yeah, like if you, like every, you all know your partners better than anybody else does and for some blokes, the best times when they're in the shower, someone's in there, they're in the toilet, someone's got the, they've got a beer in their hand or whatever the case may be, that time, time is critical for this stuff. I did interview uh, another mum and we were talking about when an incident does happen on farm, um, you know, you need to make sure that everyone has come back down to a level of, uh, back down to they're not in reactive mode. 
because if you try to have the conversation too early, tempers will flare and everyone will feel like offended or attacked. So it's making sure we're back down to that baseline before we have that conversation. And I loved that you said, you know, for everyone that is different. Um, and I think sometimes it's also having those conversations, you know, they might be 24 hours, it might be 72 hours before we have them. But also, yeah, the car, the car, the shower, sometimes when you're off farm, you know, um, is the best time to have those conversations. Very true. And I think I'll just add to that and say, you know, I think unfortunately the, the stereotype around safety is so negative and yes. so punitive and so, um, you know, centred around blame really. And then, and I think that amplifies what's already a crappy situation when people that they're in trouble or that, you know, they've failed, whatever the case may be. And the sort of new school view of safety, and you probably view across this stuff more than I am, is that error is normal. Things go wrong all the time and that's okay. It just provides an opportunity to learn and when an incident does happen, I think, you know, really everybody should be coming from a place of curiosity and obviously wanting to learn but also make sure that the person's all right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so we've moved to the farm. Mm-hmm. We've we've become curious. We're asking questions before we come in as a safety officer. <laughs> we've changed our terminology. Yep. So now, and we've talked about you know timings between when an accident happens and we have the conversation and where the appropriate or where the best place to have those conversations is. We're sort of heading down the path now of. An accident has happened mm-hmm. and whoever it is, your husband, your wife, your parents-in-law, your parents, they're not wanting to have the conversation. Um, they're not wanting to have the conversation of, are you okay? They're not wanting to have the conversation of, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? What's something that you can do or how can you go about still improving or decreasing your anxiety on that and then still making changes that aren't offensive? I think it's really subjective. Like it depends what's happened. Um, And I think sometimes, like this this conversation can't be one-sided. It can't just be the female leading the charge or whatever the case is. I mean, there will be, like safety is based on the consensus of the people involved in whatever's happening at the time. So traditionally, you would have seen this in mining, you have a safety department that sits in an office, they do all the work and nobody else really gives a crap about what happens in safety land. Um, But what that does is shift accountability to just that group, but not the other people actually at the point of risk. So I would, you know, really depending on the situation, but I think you're always, there, there has to be at least one person who is the low-hanging fruit or has got half an ear cocked to this conversation and I think the more you can empower that person to do some of the talking as well and help lead that change then takes the pressure off of you um, and it will inspire other people to join in as well so I think that's probably like it's very generic but that's probably where I would where I would start yeah Um, but also just thinking about you know for the for the tough as nails generation like even then they've got 
it, and you might have to look beyond your immediate workforce, beyond your immediate farm and go, well, who in this community that, does that person look up to? How can I plant a seed with them to have a conversation with them about, you know, or just ask a great question to get them to think differently about this stuff? Yeah, yeah. So if they, if you are looking into your community and you go, oh, you know, they, they as a peer, there's a peer that everyone sort of seems to either listen to or at least chat to, um, at least, you know, every now and again in passing. So if I'm wanting to have a chat to the peer, what are the types of things I'm going to chat to them about and the terminology I'm going to use? Uh, and then am I going to ask them to drop it in conversation to some, someone specific or do I just plant the seed as broadly as talking to a peer within the community? This is an important note. Hmm. I think it depends on the outcome that you're looking to achieve and I think it depends on the context and I think that um, depends on the relationship that you've got with that person and I think obviously you have to be very mindful of respecting what happens on farm to a degree stays on farm and being very, very diplomatic and strategic about how you have that conversation um, so that it doesn't backfire. Um, but, you know, those people that everybody talks to most of the time, there's a good reason for that and that's because they know how to handle themselves and they know how to handle potentially sensitive information. So, yeah. So the main takeaway at that point is find who is the peer um, of who you actually who you really want to talk to if they're not being uh, receptive. Mm. If we're new to the community, Alex, and we're not necessarily familiar with the community or with the peers, and we feel like we're not really getting through to you know the farm as a whole uh, and we're starting to build you know anxieties of ourselves um, are there other steps that we can do as individuals that doesn't impact the farm but that will make us feel better um, and reduce the anxiety around safety as a mindset change or something that we can implement ourselves um, without impacting the farm to make that more comfortable? Does that make sense? Mm, I think so. I think that the piece around anxiety and wellness for us, I mean, that has to be the priority and that if there's something going on there, I think that's almost a separate piece to work on. Um, and I know there's all sorts of challenges when you're living in the land in terms of isolation and breaking into social networks and all that stuff when you're new. Um, I mean, my advice would be to get involved with sport on that front, but I'm like, I've got two left hands and I can't, like my boys' ball skills are absolutely terrible, so I'm not one to speak in that regard and I know not everyone's sporty. So, but with the safety stuff, you know, I, I think from what I can gather, the question is, well, if, what can we do without impeding on the farming operation if we want to do something about safety? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, again, it comes back to asking great questions. What could go wrong? How could it go wrong? What are you going to do about it? What else can we do about it? Excuse me. Um, and if you can remember those four questions and have them regularly, then you are literally using people's brains to bring safety front of mind. And even if you don't get the answer you're looking for, they still walk out the door thinking about safety because you put it there. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, and there's other things like you can do in terms of taking a more strategic approach to dealing with this stuff. So, you know, in, in mining and stuff, everyone talks about slip strips and falls and all that compliance rubbish. Let's not talk about that. Like, let's every every farmer knows that an auger is a pretty dangerous piece of kit. So let's talk to what what's already on people's radars and what people are already kind of naturally prioritising. Attach the questions to those priorities. Start from a basis of relevance rather than coming in and talking about paperwork or compliance or whatever. Because at the end of the day, as I said, paperwork's not going to stop someone from getting hurt. But if you're having conversations about the real stuff, um, then that might. So I think leveraging relevance is important. Yeah, absolutely. And Alex, can you give me an example of that August situation for someone if they're trying to come up with the words for, you know, a situation like that? Uh, an example would be flat out in the middle of harvest, working in the middle of night, using an auger. Um, you know, you everybody's just exhausted, dark, um, you know, there's maybe an opportunity for a 30-second conversation at the start of the the night or maybe it's a quick chat over the UHF, you've talked about, I don't know, meals or whatever you need to know for the rest of the day. Oh, by the way, um, is the auger on, is the guard on the auger or have you thought about, have you had a chat with the crew about what could go wrong tonight just to make sure that everyone's all cool? I don't know, the more inconspicuous you can kind of make it, the better. I yeah. think um, the most powerful way of having conversations about safety is when you get the people doing the work to come up with what it is they want to talk about. So. I wouldn't put, if I was potentially a woman on a farm, don't put the pressure on yourself to know what these things are. You know, just ask what could go wrong and let other people tell you and then it becomes more relevant anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I love um, that you said, you know, as they're, as they're doing it and you, as you're having the conversation, so you're not specifically ringing up to talk to them about that or just popping over for it. I used to sit um, when I first moved to the farm and, and we were doing haymaking season and I still do it periodically now, um, is I used to set my watch and I used to go, okay, I get feel the most tired around 2 a.m. and right before the sun comes up. So I would set my alarm and whether I was, whether I'm home with the kids or not and my alarm would go off at 2 a.m and I'd call call my husband just for a quick chat oh it's 2 a.m everyone's okay here everyone's in bed how are you feeling do you need anything run up the paddock with you um uh, or oh I packed that extra coffee in your lunchbox you know have you have you seen it did you how was it sort of thing um so I'm like okay I'm I'm having a chat around that two o'clock danger period and then I'm going to call back up just before sunrise to have those chats it's enough just to check in to see where they're up to and to get them maybe over that next hot tired rise yeah totally I, that's perfect so it's kind of like you're doing safety but not doing safety it's like giving you know, a puppy dog, a tablet in a piece of cheese. <laughs> yes, excellent. So, Alex, can you tell me a little bit more about the projects that you do and um, particularly for sowing, uh, planting the seed for safety and how that can help um, those within the rural mum community take this conversation further, um, benefiting themselves and the farm in the long run? Yeah, sure. So, um, Planet Seed Safety is probably well known for um, the workshops that I come and deliver with groups of farmers or farming women, um, farmers also, uh, or the speaking element, but probably more recently the community-based activities 
that usually accompany those workshops or those those speaking gigs. So um, things like <laughs> we did a line dance to the to the tune of "Staying Alive" by the Bee Gees for 250 people at a, at a rural conference the other day because it just sexes it up and just makes <laughs> something different to what everybody expects it to be. Um, yeah, you know, we've got work shirts, we've got, um, I've got a, a, a group of ambassadors actually through a partnership with a company called Syngenta uh, and those regional ambassadors are based all over Australia and essentially we work together to co-design a series of fun initiatives like, you know, in the past we've done a national colouring competition for kids. Um, we've done, what else have we done? We're currently doing the safety swagger competition, which is all about showcasing what good health and safety looks like in rural communities. So everything that Planet Super Safety does comes from a bent of being fun, positive, uplifting, refreshing, relieving, you know, um, and it's all centred around obviously bringing people home at the end of each day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if there was a community or a group of people who wanted to get together and do an event or a workshop such as that, what would they have to do? I would head to plantaseedforsafety.com and just shoot me an email. So that's plantaseedforsafety.com and just, yeah, flip me an email. And it's for, as in F-O-R, not for. Yeah, perfect. That's going to be my next question. And... <laughs> So what type of layout or what type of topics is usually covered within the workshop that is, you know, accompanied by those fun activities? Sure. So, I mean, as, as you're well aware, you know, work health and safety in the traditional sense of the word is scary, confusing, overwhelming, anxiety, like anxious, the whole thing is just not much fun. Um, so the first couple of hours even of the workshop is really about debunking what it actually means to be compliant with the law and giving people the confidence to start to take steps forward, knowing that they're not only prioritising the health and safety of their people, but also they'll be compliant as well. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. And then getting really, helping each person get really clear on what the priorities are and what they need to work on within their businesses um, to make that change. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, that sounds really, really good. So that's the end of my official questions, Alex. Was there anything else that you wanted to add um, in for food of thought for those who are moving to the farm for the first time or back to the farm after being away? Ah, oh, such a great question. I would just say be really kind to yourself. Um, the fact that you're even thinking about this stuff means that you already care. Focus on asking great questions rather than trying to have the answers to everything. You know, don't feel like you're alone in this. Get other people involved um, and just try and keep it practical. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for today's chat, Alex. We will leave you all there. We've had Caroline join us throughout the interview as well, popping in and out. So if you do hear babbling throughout the interview, that is who it was. So thank you all for joining us. If you have any more questions or you'd like to deep dive any more into Plant a Seed for Safety, then all the links will be below in the description as well as anything else that we've touched on in today's interview. So thank you very much for joining us here on the farm. Mm -hmm.